Hi, everyone, and welcome to Speaking from the Heart. We do podcasts all about God's promises, and what we believe that are God's promises is anything that God says in the scriptures, in the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is breathed out by God and that um, we don't cherry pick. We believe everything from cover to cover, and we want to share what God says in this book and share it with you as it applies to our life and yours. So, in preparation for this episode, I wasn't really sure what we were going to talk about. So I did a quick Google search. Old reliable, uh, yeah, old reliable Google, right? And uh, just Google's, uh, what's the very first promise in the Bible? And it specifically told me Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is... God talking to the serpent and banishing him to the ground. You know, where he's going to he's gonna slither on the ground yeah. for the rest of his days. And um, this was after Adam and Eve had eaten, eaten of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat from. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, I was like, okay, that's not much of a promise. You know, I was really hoping more of the literal term of a promise. You know, like God promised this or God promised that. So I went back and read chapter three and verse eight to verse 20 really stuck out to me. So we start at verse 8, and it said, Toward evening they heard the Lord God walking in about in the garden, so they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, Where are you? That's verse 8 and 9, right? So then that got me thinking. Like, so before this whole fruit incident, Adam and Eve were perfect. With God, Without sin, right? Yeah, and God like, was there. So God, they so they, right, right? They saw God in His actual form because they were perfect. So they, they were able to. Yeah, which is pretty astounding. Like, how amazing is that? Just starting out. Can't wait. Like, oh, how amazing that is to see God in His true form because we think of God as this entity. Mm-hmm. We can't see Him. Because we are of sin. Yeah. We are full of sin. And God can't look at us because we are sinful. That's why he sent his son to die for us. And essentially as a filter, he looks through Jesus to see us. Yeah. And we use the Holy Spirit to get to back to him. And that Jesus is kind of that. Right, because... Uh, Right, he's that filter for us. We can't see God without Jesus. God looks at us; he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. Right. So that's it's pretty astounding to think that they were just hanging out in the garden with God because that's just mind blowing to us. Yeah. And just the world too, just thinking like, wow, you know, even when people have tried to describe God or when the Bible describes God. I mean, it's almost like we can't fathom it in our brains. Right. Which is just crazy to think about that Adam and Eve are just hanging out with God because it's like, I can't even fathom God about wanting, you know, about 
all the time. So mm-hmm. they're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing to think that like one day we'll be so pure that we'll be able to see God in his true form. Yeah. You know, and Adam and Eve, which if you know at this point right now, Adam Adam just got his name. Like you have to go back into chapter two for him to actually be referred to as Adam, because before that, he wasn't, he was just referred to as the man. It wasn't until chapter 2, verse 18, that he was referred to as Adam, and Adam is Hebrew for the man, and that's that's how he was referred to in the Bible. But at this point here in chapter 3, where we're at, Eve doesn't even have her name. He, Adam doesn't name Eve until verse 20, but we move on to chapter 10, said he replied, I heard you. This is Adam speaking. He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Verse 11, this is now God speaking. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? So God already knew at this point. Like what happened? Like you did something because now you know something that you didn't know before. You know, you, you didn't know what naked was. You know, naked wasn't in your vocabulary or in your thought process before this. So what happened? Which God is all-knowing and all-powerful. We know that. So he knew already. Yeah, he knew, like, something happened. Yeah. Hold on. Like, like, what's going on? What did you do? Yeah. You know, and us as parents, when you know, our <laughs> son has some of those responses. You're like, well, what happened? Yeah, we already know that. something happened. We're like, what What happened? What happened? Because you didn't know about this before. You right. You didn't know what that meant. So what happened? Why are you upset? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So then you move on to verse 12, and Adam admits. He says, yes, but it was the woman you, <gasps> yeah, the woman you gave me who brought me the fruit, and I ate it. So automatically, he he admits to doing it, so he takes blame, but shifts it automatically to God. This is your fault. You made this woman for me, and she made me do it. So he blames three people, himself, one, shifts it to God and Eve. That's our dog. I don't know if you guys can hear our dog sitting next to us here. But... Yeah, but anyway, so he he shifts the blame to both the woman and to God, which is pretty bold of Adam, to be honest, because God is... Can you imagine being like God? (laughs) It's without fault. That was your fault, not mine. Yeah, like, like, what'd you do? Like, you made this woman. You gave her to me, and I just listened. Right, and she messed up. Like, that was her. Like, you gave her to me, so... But isn't it so true today to, like, what happens? Yeah, in, but that's... In any time, like, that we do anything wrong in life, you kind of look at it and you're like, if you don't necessarily have God or have the um, the humility in you that only you can get from opening the Bible and the scriptures, then it's very easy to, like, shift blame. Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, have you ever been in a situation, I know I have, that when I'm working, um, when I used to work back in the day, 
and you're looking at something, and you're like, this isn't right. And I remember, like, vividly one time, like, the all these people, like, crowded around a computer. And I'm like, this isn't right. I don't know what's going on. And, like, oh, sure enough, like, it was my mistake. And I was like, I was the one asking what was wrong. And I had to be like, and I was sitting there like, man, like, I'm going to have to, like, own up for this. Because, like, mm-hmm. My name's all over this chart. Like, I worked in the medical right. field. So I'm like, well, my name's all over this. Like, I did this wrong. Right. And in my head, my initial thought was not let me, you know, just tell him it was my fault. When I realized it, I'm like, oh, no. How can I get out of this? Because mm-hmm. this could go really bad for me. And then, like, I, I remember thinking, like, you just have to take responsibility for this and say, like, oh, no, that was my fault. Like, obviously, you can see, like, I can't get around this. Well, Adam's looking at the situation. His name's all over it, but he's like, that wasn't my fault. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everybody can relate to that situation because you know you have coworkers that you could catch them, no problem. And they would still be like, that wasn't me. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I didn't do that. You must have been signed in under my login. Oh, yeah, because that happens, you know? Right. And so it's it's interesting to me. It's like our human nature. Like once the fall happened and once he was like, realized that he was naked, realized what happened, it's like that human nature takes over and you're just boom to like, I have to like self-protect myself. And the thought of humility is not your first initial thought. It's something that you have to really work through and practice in your life because you don't have humility naturally. Right. Well, it's a perfect example. The the accident that happened in front of the house the other day. Oh, yeah. So I got home from D.C. for the... The holiday, Juneteenth, is now a federal holiday, so I, I came home. I had a, a couple extra days off. Well, around midnight that night, somebody had ran, had jumped the curb where we lived and lifted our neighbor's truck, like hit hit the truck. This is like a 10,000-pound truck. Hit the back end of the truck, lifted it, and turned it 90 degrees, and the truck was sitting in my yard in the morning. And I spoke to the neighbor the next day, and we didn't hear this. So apparently, our house is very well insulated. Yeah, we didn't hear it. But I mean, a lot we of were, our other neighbors did. Yeah, we were asleep. I mean, it was twelve thirty in the morning when it twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning when it happened. But when I talked to the neighbor, mm-hmm. he was saying that the woman automatically shifted blame to him, yeah, to the police officer. Uh. She was she was telling the police officer that well his truck the it was hanging off the the driveway into the street and my neighbor was like well even if that was true it was on the house is on the opposite side of the road so the way you're driving you know you would have been on the other side of the road so you were on you were going towards oncoming traffic when you hit hit my truck. And he said that she just started, she, he like, she laid down in the middle of the street and just started like crying, falling. Cause she knew at that point that she was busted and she couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. 
and she she eventually got you know not charged, but they gave her a ticket for like reckless driving or whatever it was right below it. But yeah, I mean we're automatically natural to switch and like no, this wasn't my fault. You know, and that's that's what Adam does here. Absolutely. So we move on to verse thirteen, and so God, you know, God hears Adam shift blame. So he goes straight to the source and he asks a woman, how could you do such a thing? So, and then Eve says, the serpent tricked me. So now she's shifting blame. <laughs> the serpent tricked me. That's why I ate it. You know, so she's, yeah, so she's, you know, shifts blame to, to the snake or the serpent. Like, well, it's not my fault. He told me to. So that's why I did it. I don't know why Adam did it, but I did it because of this. Yeah. You know, so verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because now this is where I think the promises are. So first up, this is what our, what we're thinking promises. We kind of are insinuating that anything that God said would be a promise. Right. Because God can't deceive you. He can't lie. He's a perfect being. He doesn't have, um, like, I guess you would say the, like, the malice that we have. He's, yeah, he's yeah, without he's, fault. He's without fault. So whatever God says is a promise because whatever God says is true. So God is always going to keep his word. He would never not keep his word because he would be unable to keep his word because he's perfect. He's a perfect being. He's without sin. And so our premise is that, uh, that we're thinking at least, is that anything God says is a promise. So we're basically talking about all the things right. that I would, God says. I would even and, take it a step further and say that it's our belief that God's word, yeah, whether in Bible form or, you know, whatever – even if he audibly speaks to you, like that's a promise. Absolutely. Because it's it's without fault. It's there is no mistake. Well, and it is said that the scripture, all of the scripture, which would be the Bible, is the what, Bible, the Word of God, is what we're referencing. Um, that's all breathed out by God. So mm-hmm. God has a hand in all of it. Right. Um, you know, He was. He was there. He was the one telling them to write it down. He was the one. He was there. So, I mean, anything that we're saying is a promise is what God is saying. And because God cannot, um, because God can't lie, mm-hmm. everything that he said would come true. He's right. not going to, he's not ever going to not keep his promise, which is, pretty cool to think about as a human oh absolutely how many times like as a human you're like i really don't want to keep my promise or like or i'm super intentional about this with our child actually and i'm always like no we promise we do exactly what we say if we promise to take him somewhere it doesn't matter if we're tired we're going to take him and we had to i remember we had lengthy discussions on this kind of um earlier in our life I guess you could say because mm-hmm. um I always wanted to make sure that we kept our promises because 
because it's so easy as a human not to keep your promise. It's so easy to off-put and not do what you say you're going to do. But God doesn't have that option. So just to put out there, that's kind of what the promises are that we're alluding to and talking to or talking about. Right. So he goes in chapter 14 of verse 3 or verse 14 of chapter 3. He says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you will be punished. You are singled out from all the domestic and wild animals of the whole earth to be cursed. You will grovel in the dust as long as you live, crawling along on your belly. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies, and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. He will crush your head, and you will strike and you will strike his heel. That's a lot of things. I mean, so there's a lot of consequences. Yeah, I don't think people realize that like God forgives sin, but there are consequences. But God, yeah, God also has and punishment. You have to, right. Well, I don't even think it's punishment. I just think it's like consequences to your mistake. Like mm-hmm. this happens, so you have to like go down all these steps, and you don't get that easy path anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, if you think about just like, you know. Just easy things. Like, if you had, um, you know, if you're having, like, premarital relations and you get pregnant, like, you have to right, deal with that's that a consequence. going down the, You have to deal with that going down the road. And, um, you know, so you have to deal with the consequences of, mm-hmm. of your mistakes. Whatever your mistakes are. Right. And these are really kind of harsh. I don't know what your thoughts But, like, wow. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you have you that. You just go through them. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just super harsh. And I did look this up about the crawling on your belly. Mm-hmm. Because our son, y'all don't know, so our son, he's real serious. Like, we joke, I kind of joke around about it. Like, he's kind of like living with an adult. He's real serious. So when, I want to say when he was like about eight, he was asking me, or he was telling me that he thought the serpent had feet. And he was like, I really think that the serpent has feet. And I'm like, I, I just don't really know. The Bible doesn't say, you know. And he was like, no, I'm pretty sure. And it was like he had gone to church and, like, heard this numerous times. And I guess they were studying it, um, like, on Wednesday night. And I remember my girlfriends were teaching and they kind of, like, told me about it. And I was just like, okay, well, this doesn't surprise me because we have a really kind of a serious child, I guess you could say, more than anything else. And he... He's getting less serious with age, so um, he was very serious then. And um, it was interesting because we had this discussion. And so, funny enough, if you look up, and this is just very easy, like, you can just look up Google, like, no big, no, I didn't use any crazy search engines or anything like that. And I looked up, um, because I had heard it on another podcast. And I had looked up what pythons and bow constrictors, do they have leg bones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what what is that? Because he was really like, I really think they do. And I'm like, I don't know. So pythons and bone constrictors, this is straight off the internet. First thing that comes up, it's from the American Museum of Natural History. So I assume they would have done their research. And um, it says pythons and bow constrictors have tiny hind leg bones 
buried in their muscles towards the end of their tails. Such a feature is either useless or poorly suited to perform their task, um, and they're they're attributing it to evidence of like um, evolutionary history of the species. So if you think about this, does that not make perfect sense in exactly what God said here? Because he it looks at this and he says, "Oh, you know, because you did this, you serpent." you will crawl, you know, you're cursed, um, and you'll crawl, or he doesn't say cursed, or no, he does. Yeah, he does say cursed. Um, cursed, and because you have done this, you are cursed more than any other animal, Mm -hmm. domestic or wild, and you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust for as long as you live. Now, if, if this... If I did not look this up and say that pythons and boa constrictors had these leg bones, I could see where, like, somebody would have a thought or an argument to go the other way. But really, like, didn't science just prove the Bible? I feel like it did. (laughs) And, I I mean, mean, he really was like, hey, you don't need these anymore. And, you know, like, I'm taking them away from you, and this is how you have to... Because if they have leg bones, why would they not use them? And there's more species in the world that... I mean, there's tons of amphibious species that have four legs that go really extremely fast on land. um, You know, that they use them for exactly what they're intended. And, you know, this is, like, what they need. Right. So it makes perfect sense that this really did happen. I mean, oh, if you 100%. look at it, we just believe in general that it happened, but and we don't really doubt that. But if you're doubting it, I thought it was a really interesting thing because I did come across this and so I was so excited I heard it on a podcast and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like reaching out to our kid, like, look at this, oh my gosh, I looked it up, da 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 you know, so it was it was really funny because I remember him specifically. He really was like convinced, right? Like, no, this snake, you know, a snake had legs because God cursed it and took away his leg, right? And nobody could help him in the church, out of the church, like nobody could nobody help really him with knew, his answer. Yeah. And it just kind of came, like God just right. gave it to us. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting point because, I mean. It goes to the point of that that was the consequence for his sin. And obviously, if you're not a believer, a follower of Jesus, then you would probably believe most scientific articles like this. And mm-hmm. science and the Bible are matching at this point, And that's pretty cool to think about. Yeah. Well, going off of that point, too, you can, you know, science... It says that dinosaurs lived millions and millions and millions of years ago before mankind. Well, the Bible disproves that. The Bible doesn't, it doesn't disprove that dinosaurs existed because it mentions dinosaurs in the Bible, mm-hmm. specifically in Job and I believe in Titus. Yeah. It, it names, you know, monsters, beasts, but they're referred to as dragons. They're not referred to specifically as dinosaurs. They're referred to as dragons. And they lived among men, which could be a whole nother podcast. In oh, it, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll dive into that. We'll dive deep into that because that's an interesting topic to think about. 
but it there is a whole thing that we should probably think about going into about how right. science and the Bible kind yeah, of that, are matching each other. And that's the point is like, other. you know, you can't have creation without science. Yeah. And you can't have science without biblical creation. Right. Like, and we keep kind of coming across it and coming across it right. as well. Because we really thought for a long time that this was a separate Thing. Two separate things, right? Like, we really genuinely thought that, even as Christians. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of us evolving our thinking and doing more research. But So, as you go continuing on... Continuing on, yeah, verse 16. This is continuing with the promise. The promise is, really, that it, God is making to, to the three, you know, separate entities. He turns to Eve now mm-hmm. and says... You will bear children with intense pain and suffering, and though your desire will be for your husband, he will be your master. So we'll break this down into two parts here. First, and I like my translation says something a little bit different that mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to share. It says that he said to the woman, I will sharpen your pain of pregnancy, and in pain, in and in pain, you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. Yeah, so that, you know, two parts here is, one, the promise to Eve. Like, Mm -hmm. you are going to be going through pain and suffering anytime you give birth to a child. Like, that is now, you as a woman, that is now your curse, you know. Curse as as a female. I, curse is kind of a harsh word, but it's yeah. It's, I think the it's consequence. Like, the this consequence. Just what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. And but, then going to that second half. Hurts. Let me oh tell you. yeah, like I was there for the birth of our child, and I don't know how you did it. Uh, and I've seen some things, like being being in the military. I've I've seen some stuff, right? Y'all, I got so mad at him because it was like two in the morning. It's like yeah, two, okay, two o'clock like in the two morning. In the morning, and I'm like five centimeters, so I'm like hurting, and um, I'm like, yeah, I need an epidural, you know, yeah, like waiting, I'm just waiting for the yet. epidural. Like I knew I was gonna have one. Like no shame in my game here. And um, he's like kept falling asleep, and I was so mad. And he like <laughs> looks at me and is like, "What? I've been up all." Day. And yeah. I was like, "It's like it's two o'clock in the morning." Like what? I'm like, are you? Ki- I expect. I almost threw him out, y'all. I was so mad. I was like, well, I'll do this by myself. Like, I was so upset. Like, it really, like, it hurt right that much. Right. And let me tell y'all. Then they came in to do my epidural, and this one after they did it, it was great. I had a great epidural. Oh, this the one. size of this needle. <laughs> and uh, he tells me this after he's like, you should have seen it. You they should. shoved this needle in your spine. Oh, do you, no problem. Oh, I why? Do, would, I, I would why? do it every time. Like I get like the facts of like, hey, but I need think... something numbing to reduce this pain because it's so excruciating. But you think like I'm okay with them shoving a foot sized needle into my spine? It's that much pain. Right. It's so painful that. I'm like, like, no, I'm good. Like, yeah, no it problem. Was, exaggerated on it wasn't a foot size needle, but it was a good like three inches, I would say. 
So, when he told me this, when I was actually, like, after that big girl, he made it seem like it was, like, a foot long. He held his hands out, y'all, let me tell you. It was, <laughs> it was longer than a normal needle. Like, you know, you go get your little flu shot. I don't, that needle's nothing compared to what this, seen one. And what I they don't shoved want into to your know. back. Yeah, I don't want to know, because I was... And then, you know, they had you, like, lean forward. Or like, okay, lean forward, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't move, as they're, like, shoving this sword into the back of your <laughs> spine. And I'm like, there's no way. Well, and he had to do it twice. Like, one time, he got it, and it only... Because he missed or something. Well, it, like, did half my body, like, half my leg. Like, it only did one side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he took it out or something, and he did it again. And I never thought about it. Like, I was just like, fine, do it again. Like, I don't even care. Like, it hurt that much. Like, I was like, <laughs> just, do it again. Like, yeah. it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't mad about just it. Just give me the numbing. I was totally fine. Like, <laughs> no problem. I'm like, okay, because I woke up. I had took a nap after that. Because obviously, I'm numb as all get out. Yeah. Take a nap after that, and I wake up, and I'm like eight or nine centimeters dilated. And y'all, talk about some pain. I was like, what happened? Like, you're looking up, and they're like, Oh, push this button. I could not push this button enough. Okay. Like I kept pushing it. And finally I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> because it was like a booster button or something. So, I mean, I can attest for this pain. Yeah. But I mean, consequences are consequences. Oh, yeah. 100%. And 100%. like it really, it's enough pain that you're okay with stuff like that. So I think that attributes to like when he says, you know, sharpening the pain. Right. Because there's some champion women out there that do it no problem. With nothing, yeah, with nothing. And I'm sure I could have. I just did not choose to. They Which is fine, can. yeah. And so I feel like everybody has their, everybody has their choice because you know yourself and your body and stuff like that. So in my case, this was the right choice. But everybody, I mean, like, I give all of the props to all the women who could do it. Oh, 100%. 100%. But going to the second half of this verse here, when he says, and though your desires will be for your husband, my, you know, my version says for your husband, yours says to control your husband, you know, he will be your master. So then we can go, we go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians talks about marriage, right? Ephesians 5 is the big chapter on marriage. and. Controversial, yeah, every, controversial chapter. The roles of a husband and, and wife um, yeah. in marriage. And you have to think that Adam and Eve are are technically a married couple. Like she she's his companion yeah. and vice versa. He's her companion. That's what they, you know, Eve was created from Adam to be his companion. Like it says that. In, well, and that was before you have to think they must have been... They would have been married. Like there was, well, there was no marriage there before was no this. Marriage, obviously. And like if they you were. Think about marriage from like an anthropology standpoint. Like I took a college class, and like we believe in it more from like a spiritual standpoint, and we have different. But if you just look at it from an outside perspective, of all kind of ceremonial situations, it's like you graduate from high school, so you walk across this stage, and that's when you graduate from high school. Were you not graduated from the other side? You know, when you were on the other side of the stage right. or were you on this side? So right. we do the same thing with marriage of like... That ceremonial pa- passing of the torch, you know. Yeah, it's like you stand up in front, you do all this stuff, and then you're married. 
Well, like, because there were no other humans, there was no way to stand up in front of, I guess. But so I would Yeah, there was no there. way to, like, dedicate yourself to your spouse in yeah. front of people because obviously they were the only two. Yeah. But God created them. For each other. For each other. So Which is he, he binded them. Cool to think about. Yeah. But you go to Ephesians 5.21, and it says, And further, you will submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. You wives will submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. And a lot of people just kind of like, oh, women's, you know, wives submit to your husbands, and then that's it. You don't read the rest. It says, as you do to the Lord, you submit yourself completely to God, to Christ. Like, both men and women do that. Yeah. You know, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. You submit your whole self to Christ, which, you know... Wives do that for husbands as they do for the Lord. And I think and, go ahead. the reason that this was like such, well, there's a lot of controversy in this, but because of how this says, it says that you will desire to control your husband. At least that's what mine says. Mm-hmm. You will, or you would desire, you know, because I think women do have a tendency, and I'm speaking for my own gender here. I think women... Or there, or even like, there's always one person in a relationship that does is kind of like this. But I think women in particular um, have this tendency to want to think that like I know more and I can control, like I want to control you. Like you don't really know. Like my idea is better, and okay, like we're just gonna do this. Yeah. And so we kind of had to figure this out too, like in our marriage, and in our marriage, it took a couple like a, about a good 10 years and oh, we're 15 years in we're still working on this problem. i know <laughs> but a good like 10 years in anthony started looking at me and he'd be like okay so do this, you have a plan right this is my plan for whatever it is yeah do you have a plan because like a lot of times in money especially mm-hmm. i had already been thinking about what i wanted to do and what we were going to accomplish and things like that, or what was going to occur more than you'd ever started thinking about it. Oh, 100%. So what would come out would be, I'm like, well, I already had this plan. And he's like, oh, well, all right. Like, he was, like, coming to me so we could formulate a plan. And I was like, I'm already having this plan. And I think that women, because we just tend to, like, think ahead, and then you've kind of already decided. I think it kind of gives you this easy in to be able to, like, control. Like, I know what's best. I have these, like, instincts. I know what's best for our children. I have Mm -hmm. these instincts. Because I think you do have those inside of you, and you have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, like, this is a thing that you're going to have to desire. This is a desire that you're going to have to control your entire life as a woman. Because it's very easy to, you know that movie, and she talks about, being um that the woman is the neck like the man is the head and the mm-hmm. woman is the neck and then she goes on to say we have to make him think that it's his idea and uh, y'all that's so easy like it's so easy for women to do this to men mm-hmm. and um and i understand now why lots of people kind of gave me a hard time when we were early married because i think they really thought that i was manipulate like manipulating anthony 
And then people get to know Anthony, and we know that he, we can't make him do anything. Yeah. And Nobody so, can tell me anything. <laughs> literally. And, but this happened a lot where they were like, Lacey, why don't you just, like, they were kind of like, would come to me, like, why don't you, you know, kind of like manipulate him, or you tell him, or you do, like, you're his wife, you can do this. And I'm like, he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> and he was in the Marines too. And I'm like, if he doesn't listen to the gunnery sergeant, what do you think he's going to listen to me? And, but I think women have a lot of control and use their... yeah i think i think they have a lot a lot of ability to yeah. control a situation. to control a situation right 100 percent. and i truly believe that it's not a bad thing unless you're doing it yeah in a bad way or you know or you're like doing it for selfish reasons purpose, obviously yeah. you know but yeah I, you know I mean that's been that's been a thing for in our marriage, not like manipulation or anything, but people coming and saying like, Oh, well if it comes from you, like Anthony will just do it. You know, like just tell him, just tell him to do this, tell him to do that and he'll do it. You know, and your response for the last fifteen years of our marriage has been like he doesn't he doesn't listen. <laughs> Which I mean it's not like I completely ignore what you say. No, no, no. But there are, you know, most of the time I will say that if you say something that like, okay, this is, this was my plan. We're going with that plan. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's the 1% where I'm like, no. And then interestingly enough, I've learned over the years that I have to be like, okay, like if he says no, like that's a big deal because he usually doesn't say like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Or no, I don't want to do that or mm-hmm. something like that. So if he's really like, no, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, sorry. Yeah. And I think I could have manipulated more. Yeah. And there, in that the was, beginning. Well, and like, I think that people, was a big thing that I was going to say is there's been some times where these were like seasoned marriage people that were coming to me. So maybe I didn't even realize that I could do this. So like they were coming to me saying like, you should tell him this and this is what he'll do. And I'm like, I don't think so. But we were like. 22 21 22 right and so i didn't even think i had that ability at that point and then it took me probably we had been married like seven years to figure out that i could actually manipulate these situations so it wasn't a thing that i knew in the beginning and i like naturally wanted to do so it took me a long time to realize it Mm. and it was really hard because once i did realize it it is like you realize because i'm kind of a in my my past life I guess no and my I was like a seller person that's what I like I worked in the medical field but I did a lot of like sales like I was really good at it to the point where like I didn't like it about myself and I would purposely not take jobs like that and I would work in like patient care instead of like selling because I didn't like that about myself right so I knew if I presented something to you in a certain way that I could get you yeah. on my side of it, yeah. right? And I had to consciously be like, no, 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 like, you shouldn't do that. But it was so funny because when he came to me with this um, Genesis package uh, passage talking about this promise that he had looked at, I never, never knew before. And I feel like we've been Christians for a while. I never knew that this was a passage in the Bible. Like, it never jumped out at me. And that's why, like, the coolest thing about, like, the living word is, like, 
I never thought about the fact that like this was a consequence that I bear from the fall yeah, and that I have to deal with in life and that it's in the scripture. It's right here. Like I can't get around it. So the things that I'm dealing with as my natural human instinct, it's right here in, you know, in the Bible. And this was written in a day where women were not counted, where women didn't have a lot of say in general. So it makes me think of like what, like this must be a, it's like you can't really denounce it because this was actually written in a time where animals were more valuable than women. You know, Mm -hmm. you were just like a, a tool to have children and things like that. You know, you really didn't have any value to you. And it's interesting that women didn't have a lot of value to them for so long, but they did so much. And so it makes me think, like, if your husband cherished you, as that next verse goes on to say, I think more homes were kind of like this than the latter. But if you were not cherished you could definitely be run over and that's why this would be such an easy thing to try to control your husband because if he didn't care about you mm-hmm. and cherish you like that verse goes on to talk about oh yeah it, 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 it goes on so the, the go to verse 23 mm-hmm. uh in ephesians 5 it says for a husband is the head of his wife as christ is the head of his body the church he gave his life uh he gave his life to be her savior Verse 24, as a church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to your husbands in everything. Well, here here you go, men, husbands here. Verse 25, and you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism in God's word. Yeah. So... You know, Huge. you as a wife and as a woman have immense power, you know, yeah. quotations, power to, you know, like control a, situation. control a situation. But at the same time, like me as a husband needs to have relentless and un- unconditional love and mercy and grace for you because you're supposed to treat because you're i'm supposed to treat you like christ treated the church you know and christ loved the church i mean he died for the church like yeah gave his life yeah exactly for the church Mm -hmm. and i will for you know say without a doubt like i would give my life for you and for our our son Mm -hmm. and you know for brothers and sisters in christ like that's what i am called to do yeah and i'm confident that i that i would do that you know oh i'm i'm for sure but you know a lot you know a lot of people look at it pressure like oh yeah look at it like wives just submit to your husbands but like and then that's it and it's like husbands have no role in this it's like no like you got a huge role your job is to die yeah, you almost got the sh- the bad end of this stick like, here. <laughs> your job is to die. To make, yeah, and to you know, love your wife that much. And also, like, you are the spiritual lead in that, f- in your family. Mm-hmm. You know, that is your, that is also your job. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and they say, like, 
families that have husbands that go to church, it, there's, like, a huge statistic of, like, if women bring their kids to church, which, like, you see that a ton. Right. But if the man goes too, there's a huge statistic where it goes up and um, there's more of, like, I, I guess you would even call it, I don't even know, like, a conversion rate. But it's, like, that you have that foundation in the family. And I think because no matter what we do in life, men kind of always seem like they're the head. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of pressure on men. I don't necessarily think that we give them enough credit in that sense of it. Because I think it's a lot of pressure for a man in general. Because we're trying to raise a son, too. Mm-hmm. And I, like, that's a lot of pressure to give, to have on a man that, like, you need to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Which, yeah, I mean, which that's is something we can, love. yeah, we can get into into that in another podcast for sure. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of we're, love. We're kind of, we're coming up on, on the end of our time here, so we need to continue on. Uh, back to Genesis 3, verse 17. This is, this is God's promise to Adam now. It says, And to Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit. Here's that manipulation that we were just talking about. Basically, since Eve you know, convinced you to do this, you ate the fruit. I told you not to eat. I have placed a curse on the ground. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you though you will eat eat of its grains. Verse 19, all your life you will sweat to produce food until your dying day. Then you will return to the ground from which you came, for you were made from dust, and to the dust you will return. And then verse 20, just to kind of finish out here, this is where he names Eve. Then Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all people everywhere. And then... Verse twenty one, and the Lord and the Lord God made clothes from animal skin for Adam and his wife. So going back to God's promise to Adam. I'll take the excruciating childbirth. Thank yeah, you. like you will <laughs> sow the earth for the rest of your life, and it will barely produce anything. Like your entire life now will You're consist of work. You will work until the day you die. And then you will return to the dust from which you were made. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because and it's like, like Jesus hadn't come yet. Why? <laughs> like, so. Yeah, like what? So because of Adam did this one thing, like oh, I'm just gonna eat this fruit. Like I trusted Eve so much. She told me just eat this; it's fine. He eats it. Now look know if he trusted her so much like i mean he had to trust her enough i think that he wanted okay so her like curiosity got i think he had curiosity as well because oh yeah he knew the rules like he knew he wasn't supposed to eat this they both did if he was the huge head like he was supposed to be then he would have been like no woman god told us not to right so he didn't do that. Beginning, beginning of this podcast, we're talking about shifting blame. 
She was happy between us for shifty blame, shifty blame for the genders that I we're know. talking about. But I'm like, but if you think about it, like he would have done that. So I don't necessarily think you can like count him out or say like, oh, he trusted her so much. I think. He oh, had I, I definitely don't think that he's counted out. Like, I think I, he had enough curiosity and he had enough self doubt and was like, well, let's see. And I don't necessarily think like she had to convince him into it. Like. I think he was just like, oh, you're going to do it? Okay. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and, that's a good like, point. like, I'm curious, too, because think about it. Like, isn't your human nature very similar to my human nature? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. even though we're different genders. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't, it would be normal to think about that he had this those same desires as her. Right. But um, it's sad to me because I feel like he has kind of the shorter end of the stick because he had more responsibility. Just like in Ephesians when he talks about it, I feel like he has more responsibility. It's like you have the harder end is what I feel like. And I think you have the harder end because you have the 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 most to gain as well. So I don't I don't in that sense of it, it's like Elaborate. What what do you so, mean by most to gain? So think about if you love your husband, your wife, like, like God loved the church, like, ooh, that could be 10 podcasts in itself. Huge to think about, right? Just those simple, simple words. Like if you loved your wife that much, think about how much influence, how would your family look? How would your children look? Uh, How would your daily life look? mm. How would your work look? Mm -hmm. How would your, like your whole life would be completely different. It would not be as hard. It would not be, you wouldn't have these troubles with people because, like, if you showed this much love, you would get love back. You would have just a better family life in general. Mm -hmm. And when you have a better, like, if you have a good marriage life, you know, like how they always say, like, you should date your spouse and things like that. When you have a good marriage life, that trickles all the way down. So it's going to trickle down to your work life. You're going to feel satisfied when you're, when you're really probably could have more, you're going to still feel satisfied because you have God, because you have Jesus, because you have this. I think in the end, like you can make more of an influence too. I think that Uh, women like not necessarily struggle because there's tons of women that do that are bringing people to the Lord and things like that. But I think that like men have so much, more influence in certain ways. I think, like, in certain ways it's easier for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because when you talk, look at things in the Old, New Testament, at least, you're looking at things and it's saying, you know, they talked to the man, and then the man went back and, like, converted his whole house. Mm-hmm. Servants, all, like, everybody. He was, like, that influential in his house. And then there's all that love and discipleship. Like, think of how your house would look. Mm-hmm. So I think that you have it hard, but on the other hand, like you have a most to gain from it as well. Like mm. I think it's a completely different gain in life, and then you're kind of living out this biblical truth of, um, you know, like what does it say? Like you would prosper in your in your in your work. Mm. It wouldn't be as hard for you. You know, you would live. What does it say? Like you're supposed to live. And, like, be able to leave things to your children and things right. like that. 
And, um, like, it's not, wealth isn't necessarily a bad thing in the Bible and things like that from what it looks like. And I think you have the most to gain out of them. I, I like, I almost, like, envy that. I'm like, oh, like, we know somebody. And I was telling Anthony, and I was like, oh, my gosh, if you could convert this person, they would convert thousands. Yeah. Okay. And, like, but this person is a man, a really charismatic kind of um, gentleman. He, like, he's our good friend. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But I don't necessarily, I think women can do this. I just think it's a different path, maybe even a harder path. Um, because there's a lot more things that you have to take care of as well. Like yeah. Different, just different responsibilities. But, yeah, that's kind of what I mean by it. I don't know if you agree or not. No, I do. I definitely do think that we've we've got a more difficult path. I'm not saying that your path is not difficult at all. I I think I think you have great reward. Though, I think Christians just in, in general, brothers sense. and sisters, your struggle, you know, your your faith is without struggle. Like your you know your whole walk with Christ is gonna be a struggle. It's it says in the Bible, it's you're not meant to have an easy path. Like you're gonna be persecuted. You're you're chosen to be different. But I think too, it also says that if you're walking with the Lord, um, like it's gonna be easy. Like it should be kind of the like you're gonna know where to go. You're gonna understand where to go. You're not gonna be like struggling like you were when yeah, you were walking. Yeah, I think yeah, right. The sh- uh, the stronger your faith, and you know. But I see what you mean because there is gonna be persecution. There is gonna be because I think that we've experienced that. Um, that could be a whole. Oh yeah, so we, many yeah, contrasts. yeah. But I mean, you just look at Paul and oh you know gosh. Paul and Mark, John, like such humility, exiled and crucified Martyr. burned at the stake yeah. you know like all different you know it was like just, james was thrown off a cliff like, right excruciating deaths in the name of in the name of the lord absolutely and uh you know things that we can dive into in a later later episode but uh yeah but i think you're right because then at the end of this it says that the thing that i think is really cool about this promise like god talking and like this story that we mm-hmm. like got into thing i think that is really cool to like end it all out with is like the god even all this stuff happened right mm-hmm. they were naked they're afraid go through all of this god's like hey well this is all gonna have to happen now sorry not sorry here you know right. <laughs> like sucks for yeah, you yeah like you broke the rules like, uh, your like you're gonna have to like live with this like he probably was like i'm truly sorry um but he says at the end in 21, he just say like, and God made them clothes from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Right. Yeah, because so, at the beginning of this, when we started out verse 8, they they ate of the apple and then were aware of their nakedness and ashamed and, had, afraid. and, ashamed and afraid, but had sewn twigs or twigs, figs together to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. So this entire time they've been standing there in figs as god is punishing them fig leaves yeah fig leaves yeah and back then the fig leaves would have been like huge oh yeah i mean they would cover it would have covered everything so it's not that the point is like you know god's like here let me give you some permanent clothes so like even though they did all this god was still like hey like yeah i know you're feeling this way and i know you have all these consequences to your sin but i love you and let me me give you a covering so you feel better like let me 
let me give you something so you don't feel afraid, right. so you don't feel any, you know, that shame of what right. you're feeling. Right. Because then they had never killed an animal before. They had never, because they didn't eat meat at this yeah. point in, like, history in general, or this point in the Bible. They didn't eat meat. So, like, they wouldn't have known. Like, they never probably saw it. They never saw an animal die. They didn't well, know. Well, there's no need, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no, need. no need for it. And so. And God does it for them. God did this for them. And yeah. it was like, here, here you go. Like, despite all of this, like, I love you. And right. I feel like it's such a picture of the gospel. It's such a picture of what God did for us. Like, despite all of this. It's such a fatherly love. love. Like, even though you, you know. Like, in my human brain, seeing it this way, like, even though you did what I told you not to do, you broke my one and only rule, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I still love you so much. so much. Like, even though you broke this rule, mm-hmm. like, it's okay. Let me clothe you. Yeah. And, and make this better. Mm-hmm. Because... And that was the same thing. It's like, I can't stand to be away from you. Yeah. I can't stand to have you away from me. Yeah. So I have to figure out a way to fix this. So God right. sends Jesus. Right. And and through the whole Old Testament, like, gave them a way to cleanse their sins. Like, told them about, you know, um, like, the animals and all of that. Mm-hmm. So he gave them a way. So he always gave them a path. He always gave them a way. And then... Jesus comes and gives, like, the ultimate sacrifice to be the ultimate mediator. So, mm-hmm. like we were talking about in the beginning, he can look at us and not see us, but see Jesus. And right. then when we knock at the door, he's going to be like, oh, I know you. Right. You know, because I know Jesus, so I know you. Mm-hmm. Come on in. And I think we always talk about this as, like, there's so many scary passages in the Bible to to us, to me at least. And I'm always like, that's one of my, like, top up there. It's like, oh, my gosh, am I going to get there? And he's going to be like, I don't know you. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 because he, I'm going to be so in communion with Jesus that when he looks at me, he's just going to see Jesus. Yeah. So it's like he loved them that much. It's like, this is such a picture of, and I think the Old Testament is like that. People kind of discount it a lot, Mm -hmm. but there's so many parallels. It's like you look at the Old Testament and it's a parallel to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. It's a parallel to the gospel itself over and over and over again. And I mean, it's just always there. Like God's love is always there. It always shows up for us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Don't forget to leave a comment and um, rate us so more people can find our podcast.